There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Hubbard Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present My Talk Theater on the Air, an adaptation of Orson Welles' 1938 broadcast, the War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells, featuring Alexis Thompson, Dawn McLean, Kenny Olson, Donna Valentine, Steve Patterson, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trader, Holly Roberts, Lori Bargini, Julia Cobbs, Rocco Bonello, and me, your host for this evening's broadcast, Jason Matheson. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, our world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacence, people went to and fro over the earth about their little affairs, serene in the assurance of their dominion over this small, spinning fragment of solar driftwood, which, by chance or design, man has inherited out of the dark mystery of time and space. Yet, across an immense ethereal gulf, Minds that are to our minds as ours are to the beast in the jungle. Intellects vast, cool, and unsympathetic regarded this earth with envious eyes and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. In the 39th year of the 20th century came the Great Disillusionment. It was near the end of October, on this particular evening, October 30th, it was estimated that 32 million people were listening in on radio. So it looks like for the next 24 hours here in the Twin Cities, the temperature will be a high of 15 degrees low of minus 10. And next week's supposed to really get cold. Here's something else just came in from the Weather Bureau. An atmospheric disturbance of undetermined origin is reported to have occurred over Lake Superior. That doesn't sound good. Causing a low-pressure area to move down rapidly over the central plains, bringing a forecast of snow accompanied by winds of light gale force. That's October for you. So what's up next for our listeners out there tonight? Well, I'll tell you, and it's pretty exciting. Think you can handle it? I'm holding on to my cup of coffee. We're going to take you to the Hotel Nicolette in downtown Minneapolis, where you'll be entertained by the music of Davina and the Vagabonds. Well, let's do it, then. Good evening, everybody. From the Minnesota Terrace at the Hotel Nicolette in Minneapolis, we bring you the music of Davina and the Vagabonds. Take it away, Davina. One, two, oh, one, two, three, four. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of music to bring you a special bulletin. 
At 20 minutes to 8 central time, the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas. Incandescent gas? Incandescent gas. Never seen it light up before. Explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectroscope indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving towards the Earth with enormous velocity. Professor E.A. Pearson of the Minnesota Institute for Astrophysics describes the phenomenon as, quote, like a jet of blue flame shot from a gun. Yeah, it doesn't sound like anything to be worried about. We now return you to the Hotel Nicolette and the music of Davina and the Vagabonds. Wasn't that great? Davina and the Vagabonds, ladies and gentlemen. And now another tune that never loses favor. Here again are Davina and the Vagabonds. Whoa, and the two, and you know what to do. Ladies and gentlemen, following the news in our bulletin a moment ago, we have arranged an interview with Professor E.A. Pearson of the Institute for Astrophysics at the University of Minnesota. Until then, we return you to the music of Davina and the Vagabonds. If the studio keeps cutting away, why should we even bother to play? It's just for a short interview, Davina. How short? Well... We're ready now to take you to the University of Minnesota Institute for Astrophysics, where Carl Phillips will interview Professor E.A. Pearson, famous astronomer. Famous astronomer? I never heard of him. Actually... Who ever heard of a famous astronomer? Famous astrologer? That I'd believe. Actually, but they've... how'd this astronomer fella get to be famous anyway? He's not a he. He's a she. A woman. Well, knock me over with some incandescent gas. A woman astronomer. That's probably how she got to be famous. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Carl Phillips. I'm standing in a large semicircular room, pitch black, except for an oblong split in the ceiling. Through this opening, a sprinkling of stars casts a kind of frosty glow over the intricate mechanism of the huge telescope. The ticking sound you hear is the vibration of the clockwork. Professor Pearson stands above, peering through the giant lens, conducting her ceaseless watch of the heavens. Professor, would you tell our radio audience what you see as you observe the planet Mars through your telescope? Well, it's, it's close, Mars. Mars, that is. I see. And that is because? Because Mars is at its rotation point nearest the Earth. I see. Professor, as a scientist, are you convinced that living intelligence as we know it does not exist on Mars? The odds against it are a thousand to one. About the same odds as meeting a woman astronomer. <laughs> so how do you account for these gas eruptions occurring on the planet at regular intervals? I can't account for it. Are there any male astronomers here who could account for it? What? Just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, someone has entered the observatory with a message for Professor Pearson. May I read it to the listening audience? Well, I, I, I haven't read it myself yet. It's a yet. wire from Dr. Lester Thorwald, chief meteorologist at Wold Chamberlain Airfield outside the Twin Cities. Quote, 9.15 Central Standard Time. Seismograph registered shock of almost earthquake intensity occurring 11 miles north of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Please investigate. Unquote. Professor, could this occurrence have something to do with the disturbances observed on the planet Mars? M merely a coincidence. I see. Ladies and gentlemen, for the past 10 minutes, we've been speaking to you from the observatory at the University of Minnesota, bringing you a special interview with Professor Pearson, Noted astronomer. Famous. What? I'm famous. Famous astronomer. Not because you're a woman. No, not because I'm a woman. This is Carl Phillips, returning you now to our program of music. Davina! Psst! Get Davina! What? Get Davina away from the bar and tell her we're back on! Oh! Hey! Davina! What? I'm trying to finish my drink. Welcome oh, back now to we're the on. Hotel Nicholas yeah, sure. in Minnesota Terrace. I'll believe that when I see it. And the tones of Davina and the Vagabond. Ladies and gentlemen, 
We've just received a special bulletin. At 9.15 p.m., a huge flaming object, believed to be a meteorite, fell on a farm in the vicinity of Fridley, Minnesota. The flash in the sky was visible and the noise of the impact heard as far north as Brainerd. We'll have Carl Phillips give you a word picture of the scene as soon as he can get there. In the meantime, we take you to the Oaks Nightclub in Minnesota City, where Whoopi John and the Whoopi John Band are offering a program of polka music. Do you know Whoopi John's last name is Wilfart? Wilfart? Puts a whole different spin on that incandescent gas, doesn't it? We take you now to Fridley, Minnesota. Will you look at that? Told you it was big. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Carl Phillips again, speaking to you now from the Erndell Farm, Fridley, Minnesota. Professor Pearson and I made the drive from the university in. Record time. Record time, yes. You drive like a maniac. I've never been so scared. Ladies and gentlemen, I hardly know where to begin. The thing is directly in front of me, half buried in a vast pit. What I can see of the object doesn't look very much like a meteor. It looks more like a huge cylinder. It has a diameter of... What would you say is its diameter, Professor Pearson? Why don't you ask a male astronomer? I beg your pardon? Uh, it's about 30 yards in diameter. Come on, I want to see it! Some of the more curious spectators seem to want to get close to the object. Aliens take over Fridley? Yes, the morons are getting in front of my line of vision. Officer, would you mind getting them to move aside, please? While the policemen are hosing down the crowd, let's talk to Mrs. Pauline Erndahl and her sister Flossie owners of the farm here. She doesn't own this farm. Come again? Oh, for crying out loud, I said my sister doesn't own this farm. The way she'd act, you'd think she owns it. Always puts herself down wherever she likes. I see. Well... For Pete's sake, she don't even pay rent. Not that I'd insist. Family is family and blood is thicker than the jug wine she sneaks sips of and thinks I don't notice. Uh-huh. As to the meteor... This farm it... has been in the family since... 1887. You bet my late husband's family, that is, the Ermdahls. I was a Heffelfinger. That was my main name. My sister's name's still Heffelfinger. She never married, if you catch my meaning. I see. She was engaged for a time to a traveling fella, said he was a used jar salesman. A used car salesman? A used jar salesman. Jar, like a jar you can use to can preserves. I see. Could we talk I about her, I the... I said, Flossie, what kind of man sells used jars for a living? I told her, I said, Flossie, what kind of man sells used jars for a living? Miss Heffelfinger, could you tell our radio audience what you and your sister witnessed when this rather unusual visitor dropped in your backyard? Well, we were listening to the radio, Closer and... Closer and louder, please. What'd you say? Louder, please, and closer. To you? To the microphone. Oh, I thought you meant get closer to you. No. I'm thinking, my land, this fella's fresh. Tell us what you remember, Miss Heffelfinger. Well, as I was saying, we were listening to the radio. There was that woman pretending to be a professor, and she was talking about Mars, which isn't as lively as Whoopi John's polka band. I can tell you that. So I was kind of dozing, halfways anyway. Yes, yes. You know how it is, And then when... you saw something? Not saw. Not first off, heard something. A hissing sound, like this. Kind of like a 4th of July rocket the kids set off, even though they know they're not supposed to. Yes, then what? Well, excuse my language, but zingo! Something smacked the ground so hard, it like almost woke me up. Were you frightened, Miss Heffelfinger? I used to bartend in New Ulm. There's not much that can frighten me. Thank you, Miss Heffelfinger. Want me tell you, to tell you more of what I... No, no, that's fine. That's plenty. Oh, well, all right then. Then when the sheriff found out where all them used jars came from, well, you can't boil a jar enough to remove the memory of that. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard from the two simple farm ladies who live here where this thing has fallen. 
I wish I could convey the atmosphere of this fantastic scene. Hundreds of cars are parked in the field, their, their headlights throwing an enormous spotlight on the pit where the object is half buried. Some of the crowd... Yeah, come on, fellas! Some of the more daring souls are now venturing near the edge. One lady is trying to touch the thing. Oh, no, you don't! Oh, don't you don't me! I'm a citizen! She's having an argument with the policeman. The policeman wins. Now, there's something I haven't mentioned in all this excitement, but perhaps you've caught it already on your radio. L listen, please. Do you hear it? I'll move the microphone nearer. Now... Can you hear it now? Professor Pearson, how would you describe this sound? Well, I suppose it sounds like a tin can opening. Like a tin can opening. Like a woman opening a tin can for her family supper because she's been at the observatory all day and hasn't been home to prepare a real meal. I don't have a family. I'm not married. Like Miss Heffelfinger. Just, just a minute. Something's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this is terrific. The end of the thing is beginning to flake off. The, the top rotates like a screw. The thing must be hollow. Oh, she's moving! The thing's unscrewing! Keep back yeah, there! Keep those idiots back! The top's loose! Get back from there! Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying thing I have ever witnessed. Someone's crawling out of the hollow tops. Someone or something. I can see peering out of that black hole two luminous discs. Are they eyes? It might be a face. It, it might be... What the heck is that? Oh, Get back, Lordy. I said. Good heavens, something's wriggling out now like a gray snake. Now it's another one, and another one, and another one. They look like tentacles. I can see the thing's body now. It's, it's a large, it's large as a bear, and it glistens like wet leather. But that face, it's indescribable. I, I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. The eyes are black and gleam like a serpent. The mouth is V-shaped and saliva dripping from it. It's like a pierogi with lips. The monster's rising up now, and, and, and the crowd falls back now. They've seen plenty. I'll, I'll pull my microphone with me as I talk. I'll... I'll have to stop the description until I can take a new position. Hold on, will you please? I'll, I'll be right back in a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you an eyewitness account of whatever the heck's going on at the Erndale Farm outside Fridley. We now return you to Carl Phillips and Fridley. Ladies and gentlemen, am, am I on? Ladies and gentlemen, here I am back at the Erndale Farm near what appears to be a sweat lodge. It's not a sweat lodge, it's a sauna. Come on in, it's humid. State police are now drawing up a cordon in front of the pit. The police captain and two policemen advance with something in their hands. It's a white handkerchief tied to a pole, a flag of truce. If those creatures know what that means, what anything means. Wait a minute, I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. There's a jet of flame springing from that mirror, and it leaps right at the advancing men. Ah! Lordy Lou! It strikes them head on. Now the whole field's caught fire. The woods, the barns, the gas tanks of automobiles. It's spreading everywhere. It's coming this way, about 20 yards to my right. Due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue our broadcast from Fridley at this time. In the meantime, we invite you to listen to the sultry sounds of Miss Jennifer Grimm. Coming to you live from the Marigold Ballroom. The Marigold, a half block deep and a quarter block wide. Take it away, Miss Jennifer Grimm. I and I miss St. Paul You can look all you want From L.A. to Vermont And you won't find towns like these at all You're listening to the My Talk Theater on the Air An adaptation of Orson Welles' 1938 broadcast 
The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. You know, we wouldn't be able to broadcast high-quality radio drama like this if it weren't for sponsors like these. Great barn dance, Elmer. Thanks, Jebediah. Are you going to foxtrot with Hildegard tonight? I would, but for her visible skin boils. How about you? Are you still seeing your gal, Rosie? I had to call it off due to her troublesome and irritated facial skin redness. Oh, look, here they come. Hi, boys. Hildegard, your boils, they're gone. And Rosie, where'd your splotches go? We went to Dr. Ann Aesthetics in Edina. She's got this gorgeous, modern, cutting-edge clinic, which in the year 2020 will feature PDO Threadlift procedures, Botox, and BBL Hero. But here in 1938, the clinic features all the latest in 1930s skincare technologies, brimstone peels, temporary Frankenstein electrodes, and the biggest leech tank in the upper Midwest. Can't wait until 82 years pass and we can see Dr. Ann when she has even better stuff. Hilly, now that Dr. Ann got your goiter clean off, might you join me on the dance floor for the Lindy Hop? Sorry, fellas. Thanks to Dr. Ann Aesthetics, I've got a new dance partner now. Ain't that right, Rosie? Doll, you're the cat's pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ann Aesthetics in Edina. Just a two-day drive on dirt roads from South Minneapolis. And now, Act Two of the My Talk Theater on the Air's adaptation of Orson Welles' 1938 broadcast, The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. When I think of it all home I will yearn till the day I return to Minneapolis and St. Paul. That was Miss Jennifer Grimm, ladies and gentlemen, live at the Marigold Ballroom. Never grow old dancing at the Marigold. They've got that printed on their matches. Never grow old dancing at the Marigold. It's on their ashtrays, too, if you've ever noticed. Ladies and gentlemen, we still haven't resumed contact with Carl Phillips and our field transmitter at the Erndahl Farm in Fridley. So what's that about? What do you mean? I mean, first, the incandescent gas on Mars, then that meteor lands, then the meteor opens up like a joke shop can of snakes. Everybody screams, run away! And now we've lost contact with Carl Phillips, so what do you think that's about? Are you saying you believe in Mars? Now? I have an open mind. Until we reestablish our hookup with Carl Phillips, we're going to take you to the St. Paul Hotel, where we'll be entertained by the jazz stylings of Cornbread Harris. I bet Cornbread believes in Martians. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed a message that came in by telephone. At least 40 people, including six state troopers, are feared dead following a sudden fire in a field outside the township of Fridley. The next voice you hear will be that of our reporter, Esme Hunk, who is with the governor in St. Paul. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Esme Hunk at the executive mansion where the governor is about to speak. He has been in deep consultation with his advisors as to whether he should wear a suit and tie to make this announcement. Here he comes now, and yes, yes... I can see a tie, a dark blue necktie with a subdued maroon stripe. Esme, is he wearing the suit? Mm, um, no. He is not wearing the gray, slightly ill-fitting suit we in the press have come to know so well. He's wearing a sports jacket. Is it the gray blazer? No. It's a herringbone tweed, the kind your father might wear to lunch after church. Also a sweater which says casual but not careless and sets off the tie nicely. He's now at the microphones... Ladies and gentlemen, the governor of Minnesota. Should I uh, start or wait for, wait for the signer? This is radio, governor. Oh, right, right. Uh, uh, people of the state of Minnesota, I am placing the following counties, Hennepin, Dakota, Stearns, Meeker, Aiken, Anoka, Becker, 
Detroit Lakes, Litchfield, Beltrami, Bemidji, Mille Lacs, Little Falls, uh, Big Stone, uh, Blue Earth, uh, Mankato, Nobles, Carver, Chaska, Norman, Chippewa, Montevideo, Ottertail, Fergus Falls. We'll return to the governor's announcement. In the meantime, we have established communication with an eyewitness to this evening's events. Professor Pearson, the famous female astronomer, has been located in the remains of the Erndahl farmhouse. She will give you an explanation of this evening's events, both as a scientist and as a woman. I'm speaking to you from the root cellar of the Erndahl farm, where I'm surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of jars. We're here, too! Miss Heffelfinger and Miss Erndahl are down here with me. We're drinking jug wine. My sister drinks too much. Professor, Professor, what can you tell us of this evening's events? Of the creatures in the rocket cylinder, I can give no authoritative information. Of their destructive instrument, I might venture some conjectural explanation of the mysterious heat ray. This intense heat they project in a parallel beam by means of a polished parabolic mirror, much as the mirror of a lighthouse projects a beam of light. That is my conjecture of the origin of the heat ray. Also, I broke a heel. Thank you, Professor Pearson. Chisago, Sutter City, Pennington, Thief River Falls, Clay, Moorhead, Pine City, Carver, Wabasha, Kuchiching, Wadena, Wasika Lake, Lake of the Woods, Lesur, Lesenner, Winona, uh, Wright Buffalo, Yellow Medicine, and Hubbard, all under martial law. The, uh, the state militia are proceeding to Fridley to evacuate homes within the range of pending military operations. There's no reason to panic. Gas masks and uh, ration cards, they will be issued immediately. That was the governor of Minnesota, now returning to his bunker. For the opposing party's view, we have the Speaker of the House with us. Madam Speaker, you heard the governor. What's your response? Esme, this is but another example of the governor's failure to adequately prepare for Martian invasion. Just how would your party protect the populace from the Martians better than the current administration? To begin with, all the constituents in our districts already have bomb shelters, so there's that. And if ever there was a time for a tax cut, a Martian invasion is that time. Oh, anything else? Relaxed feedlot restrictions. I grew up on a farm, Esme, and I'd bet you a 20-pound ham those Martians would think twice about landing if they knew three-quarters of the state was made up of those sweet-smelling swimming pools. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, here's a bulletin from one of our mobile units. It's a brief statement informing us that rescue workers have found in the burned field of the Erndale Farm a charred KSTP microphone engraved, Good luck, Carl. Thank you, Esme. Bulletins are coming in from all over the state now, reporting reporting similar landings such as the one in Fridley and as far north as Britain. We have a caller on the line. What? It's the call-in portion of the show. We have a caller. Go ahead, Invergrove Heights. Yeah, I think it's a fake. What, what, what's that? I said it's a fake, this Martian invasion. It's all made up. I'll take my question off the air. You didn't ask a question. That's because I know the answer. It's a fake, made up, Martian invasion. How would we fake a Martian invasion in Vergrove Heights? Well, you hire actors, make some sounds. Wouldn't be the first time. Ever heard of something called World War One? Oh, now, come and on. why can't we see this Martian invasion? This is radio. Yeah, right. And now, a special statement from our own Mrs. Levita Braunschweiger, station manager in charge of broadcast operations. Hello, everyone. 
Although I am a part, and I hope an important part, of this station's broadcasting family, I seldom have the opportunity to speak directly to that other part of our broadcasting family, which is the family called you, our listening audience. True, I will on occasion take to the air to give you management's views on such vital topics as grain tariffs and mine safety deregulation, but tonight I speak in a different capacity. We've received a request from the governor to place our broadcasting facilities at the state's disposal. In a more normal crisis, we would refuse this attempt by government to encroach upon private enterprise and dismiss the purported threat as yet another flimsy pretext to impose upon the citizens of Minnesota foreign principles of a collectivist nature. However, because this threat is actually foreign, those foreigners being Martians, we are turning over our broadcast facilities to the state militia because uh, the militia has guns. But we will return to regular commercial programming as soon as possible. This I assure our radio audience, and most particularly our sponsors, such as Gunkelman's Dairy, milk so rich you'd pay the price twice. Herdin Burdenins, the department store where your grandmother still shops. And Big Bertha's Baked Beans. They're beans, they're big, and they taste like Bertha. And now, as they say in the announcer booth, this is so exciting, we take you to the field headquarters of the state militia at Fridley, Minnesota. This is Captain Lansing of the state militia, engaged in military operations in the vicinity of some place called the Fridley. The situation arising from the reported presence of certain <clears throat> individuals of unidentified nature is now under complete control. These individuals, they may not be pretty, at least not in a conventional sense, but remember an unpleasant physical appearance is no indication of superior military know-how, no matter what the Armenians say. Left, 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 right, left. Our troops are advancing now on the Erndale farm. 7,000 armed men closing in on the thing. A quick thrust and it'll be all over. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I see something on top of the cylinder. Uh, no, it's nothing but a shadow. Wait, that ain't a shadow. That thing's moving. It's standing. Rearing up on its hind legs like a dog that's just been fixed, and it ain't happy about it. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. The battle which took place tonight at Fridley, known hereafter as the Battle of Fridley, has ended in one of the most startling defeats ever suffered by an army in modern times. The Martians are now in control of the entire central portion of this state. Why they would want it, no man can say. Several attempts to locate the famous female astronomer, Professor Pearson, have failed. It is feared that this brave and surprisingly come-hither scientist was lost in the battle. Army field pieces have taken up positions to repel a reported second invading unit. We take you now to the battery of the 22nd Field Artillery outside Pelican Falls. Range 32 meters. 32 meters. Projection 39 degrees. 39 degrees. Fire! 140 yards to the right, sir. Shift range 31 meters. 31 meters. Fire! A hit! We've got one of the tripods. The others are trying to repair it. Quick, get the shift range. Shift 30 meters. 30 meters. Fire! I can't see where the shell landed, sir. They're, they're letting off a smoke. Smoke? Black smoke. Moving this way. Fast. Put on gas mask. Here, sir. Gunner, you got your mask on? I'm not putting on a mask. What's that? I'm not putting on a mask, sir. I won't wear one. Gunner, this is an order. Put on your mask. Begging your pardon, sir, I will not surrender my liberty. I'm not asking you to put on a flag with a hammer and sickle on it. It's a gas mask. 
So they say... For the love of Fibber McGee, man, I'm wearing a mask. The Observer's wearing a mask. Aren't you, Observer? <coughs> Smoke's getting closer, sir. <coughs> it's really thick. Did George Washington wear a mask crossing the Delaware? Shift 24 meters. I don't think so. Far! <coughs> I said far! Uh, you're kind of muzzled, sir. Could it be your mask? <coughs> <coughs> As Thomas Paine wrote in Get Your Boots Off My Freedom, <coughs> who made you my boss? Not... <coughs> not... Not... <coughs> <laughs> we'll try to reestablish contact with Pelican Falls when we can. Meanwhile, here's a bulletin. A fleet of Army Air Corps bombers of the 3rd Attack Group carrying heavy explosives are flying north in pursuit of enemy. Army Air Corps Bombing Wing V843, Lieutenant Boyd commanding. What can you see below there, airman? Enemy machines now in sight, sir. Heavy black fog on the outskirts of Invergrove Heights. Sure hope everyone down there took the evacuation order seriously. This is your first time, airman? Sir? Going at it one, two, one. D don't worry, though. I'll be right on top of you. Thank you, sir. Enemy now straddling Mendota Bridge. A thousand yards. I'm opening my bomb bay. 800 yards. Gonna drop the big one. 600 yards. A green flash. They're spraying me with the hot ray. It's so hot. So hot. Oh. Oh. Hold tight. I'm coming in behind you. Oh. 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 Oh, I'm flaming! I'm flaming out! Oh, God! Oh, God! Release the panels! I repeat, release the panels! Oh, God! Panels are jammed! This has never happened to me before. Well, only one thing left. Dive on them! Drop the whole load! I'm speaking from the roof of the KSTP Broadcasting Building in St. Paul. The bells you hear are ringing to warn the people to evacuate the city. Everyone else in the broadcasting facilities below has abandoned this building. My co-host abandoned me to go home to her large, multi-level home in the suburbs. I am here, however, assisted by our traffic reporter. We'll stay here to the end. It's estimated in the last two hours, 300,000 people have moved out along the roads and the highways. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. Traffic is creeping and beeping along outbound Highway 12. We have a meet and greet on 101 at Highway 7, actually involving six fighter jets and a Martian cylinder. Uh, so it might take some time to clean up that mess. Avoid that intersection if you can. The enemy is now in sight above the Wabasha Bridge. Five Martian machines now crossing the river, wading the Mississippi like men wading across a brook. Now they lift their metal hands. This is the end now. A black smoke is drifting over the city. Looks just like rush hour. The smoke's spreading faster now. It's passing over Cathedral. It's coming down Summit Avenue now Snelling. People are trying to run away from it. If you're running from the Martians, avoid Summit and Snelling. You'll have to slink around on the side streets if you want to get anywhere. Now the smoke is coming down University Avenue, crossing Cromwell Street. Now Barry... Now Barry... A hundred yards away. It's 50 feet. Traffic on University is fast and happy all the way up to, all the way, all the way up to. You are listening to the My Talk Theater on the Air and its adaptation of Orson Welles' 1938 broadcast, The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Act three will continue in a moment, but first.
And now, a word from my friends at 360 Painting of Minneapolis. Hold on to your horsehair brushes. 360 Painting has all the hottest paint colors for 1938. Gray, dark gray, light gray, and ooh, rutabaga brownish gray. Why tackle that messy painting job yourself? For a limited time, 360 Painting Minneapolis will fill each can with a healthy dose of shellac and linseed oil to protect against dust storms, polio, and swarms of locusts. It's the Great Depression, so why not give your house, barn, shack, or lean-to a coat of paint with the help from the good folks at 360 Painting Minneapolis. Find a neighbor or relation with a telephonic handset device and tell the operator to connect you to 360 Painting Minneapolis. Free estimates and mention my talk for 15% off. 360 Painting. We cover all angles. Two X two L calling CQ. Two X two L calling CQ. Isn't there anyone on the air? Isn't there anyone on the air? Isn't there anyone? Eight X three R coming back at two X two L. Eight X three R, you're there. Yes, I'm here. Two X two L. Thank goodness. I didn't think there was anyone left on the earth. Your voice sounds familiar. Two X two L. Yours does too, 8X3R. My name's Pearson. Not... not Professor Pearson, the famous woman? Famous astronomer, while also being a woman. I'm a woman too. Where do I know your voice from? I used to be on the radio. You're on the radio now. This is a ham radio. I'm on sub-level four of my modest suburban mansion. I'm on a ham radio too. It doesn't belong to her. Is that... Mrs. Erndahl, I'm still in the jar cellar. That ham radio belonged to my late husband, Earl. I'm here, too. That's Miss Heffelfinger. Still drinking that jug wine? Oh, they ran out of that the first day. Since then, she's been emptying these jars one by one. And I glow in the dark now. Have you been able to study the Martians from your hiding place, Professor? From time to time, I open the cellar door a crack... This morning, I saw a Martian spraying the air with his heat ray. He seems bored. Well, it's Fridley. I have to be careful not to be caught. I've seen the Martians feed. It's disgusting. Like watching the making of spam in reverse. Professor. Don't call me Professor. I look at my broken nails and my torn dress and... I don't even recognize them as belonging to that professor who on the night of October 30th glimpsed through her telescope an orange splash of light on a distant planet and thought, I still have to buy candy for tomorrow. Bombing wing B843 calling. Hello? Is there anyone on this frequency? You hear that? A man! Quiet, you rummy. This is Lieutenant Voigt. Army Air Corps Flight Commander. And Airman Second Class Warfield Holtz. Airman, after the ride you took me on last night, you are first class with me. We we thought you crashed. We did. Yeah, we landed on a pillow factory in Chanhassen. Hey, hey, what are you people doing on my party line? I know that voice, too. You're that guy who drove down to Fridley to touch the Martian cylinder. Ooh, so did you touch it? No, I did not. That's because there wasn't any Martian cylinder. Well, hello, Invergrove Heights. We were afraid you Invergrove Heights folks got gassed by the Martians. That's what they want you to think. Commander, what do you think the Martians will do if they catch us? Um, put us in cages. Yeah, 
Some they'll eat, some they'll make pets, and then some they'll train to hunt the rest of us. Yeah. No. No human. Yeah. There's plenty who do it gladly. I mean, women don't know how savage life can be. You've never been to a beauty parlor. Hello? Hello, is this line open? Hey! It's my former co-host! I heard your last broadcast before you died. You were great! Thanks. How's the new rec room? Which one? Wait! So you were... So you weren't killed by the marching gas? No, me and the traffic guy just played dead till the gas passed over. Then we started moving west to Minneapolis. All lanes are open on westbound 94. Watch for an overturned Martian cylinder at Cretan Vandalia. It had started to snow. We moved fast all night to keep warm, then reached Minneapolis at sunrise. We made our way down Hennepin and then to First Avenue. There was an evil, ominous smell. But First Avenue always smelled like that. Then we saw a lean dog running down Nicolette Avenue with a brown piece of meat in his jaws. He made a wide circle around us. We figured he was too choosy to eat us, but then we caught sight of a Martian machine gleaming in the morning sun. There in Loring Park stood a silent row of 19 great metal titans, their steel arms hanging by their sides. We looked for the monsters that inhabited those machines. Then our eyes were attracted to a flock of blackbirds hovering close to the ground, and there, stark and silent, lay the Martians. The hungry birds tearing brown shreds of flesh from their dead bodies. The largest of the Martians lay on its side. One of its tentacles extended like a finger, and there, on the ground, written in the new fallen snow, were words. Words the Martian must have learned because with his last breath, he had managed to write in the snow, cold, too frickin' cold. So what the heckle and jekyll happened to him? Mm, I think I can take an educated guess. The Martians were killed by exposure to the Minnesota winter, against which they had no protection. No gloves, no earmuffs, no space heaters. Jeepers, they froze in their own slime. That's right, Airman. After all of our defenses failed, the Martians were slain by a simple Arctic blast. The kind of parents always told us wasn't half as bad as the winters they knew when they were our age. So, what's going to happen to the Martians now? The Martian corpses have been taken to Austin by the Hormel plant for experiments. So, when can we get back on the air? We're on the air now. Hey, is that... This is Carl Phillips, reporting from behind a dense row of bad-smelling jars in the root cellar of the Erndahl farm. But your charred KSTP microphone was found in the Erndahl field. Yeah, because when the heat break came on, I threw that thing up in the air and ran like hell. You've been down here in the root cellar this whole time and not one of us noticed? Oh, I noticed. Quiet, you rummy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mrs. Levita Braunschweiger welcoming you back to our regularly scheduled programming. The preceding Martian invasion was brought to you by... Farnham and Lilliquist, attorneys at law, licensed in all 48 states and extraterrestrial jurisdictions. Mertz Brothers Automobile Heat Ray and Dent Repair. And the Kelp Society, keeping kelp in the public eye for 39 years. This is Jason Matheson. Ladies and gentlemen, to assure you that the War of the Worlds has no further significance than as the holiday offering it was intended to be. The My Talk Theater's own radio version of dressing up in a sheet and jumping out of a bush and saying boo. Starting now, we couldn't soap all your windows and steal all of your garden gates by tomorrow night, so we did the next best thing. We annihilated the world before your very ears and utterly destroyed My Talk 1071 Studios. You will be relieved, however, I hope, to learn that we didn't mean it and that both institutions are still open for business. So, 
Goodbye, everybody. And remember, please, for the next day or so, the terrible lesson you learned tonight, that grinning, glowing, globular invader of your living room is an inhabitant of the pumpkin patch. And if your doorbell rings and nobody's there, that was no Martian. It's Halloween. From all of us at My Talk Theater on the Air, we wish you a good night and a frightful Halloween. I'm glad we gave you your own cue. <laughs> I know. I I'm going southern. It turns southern. That's always my go-to. I cannot do a Minnesota accent. <laughs> it, wouldn't it be more like a taint, Kegel? Oh, no, oh, no. Whoa, you don't whoa, squeeze whoa. with the taint. Kegel. I do. It's the I'm Pigo. doing it right now. <laughs> well, reading it with you, like, you know what I mean? And we're being <laughs> perverted with each other. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God! I smell an Emmy Award for that scene, gentlemen. <laughs> That's what that smells like. <laughs> With Hildegard and I. <laughs> Whoops. Who's, who's doing the tube in? <laughs> Uh, you zipping up. Pierogi. Oh, uh, yeah, you just got a pierogi or no? <laughs> Who cares? Let's go get a sandwich. Isn't there anyone on the air? Isn't there anyone? Anyone? <clears throat> hi, hi, hi. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details.